0: Welcome
1: to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education, where we dive deep into the world of virtual reality for teaching and learning. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Craig Scott and David Syme. Craig has been teaching welding for nearly a decade, following over 20 years of experience in this industry. And he's a huge advocate for utilizing virtual reality in education, and he's worked with many companies, including LinkedIn, Lincoln Electric and Seabury. David is the CTO and co-director of Riot Digital and he's a top voice in the field of XR. I have been following David's work on LinkedIn about XR for years and consider him an influencer in this field. David and Craig are currently here today to talk a bit about virtual reality learning, virtual reality learning and welding, and their new app called the Hydroverse. Welcome to the show, Craig and David. Hi there. Good to be here. I always like to start with origin stories and maybe we'll go with David first and then get Craig to chime in. So, David, how, how did you get interested in using virtual reality?
0: Well, uh, my original background was in uh, communications technology or really communications marketing back in the kind of late 90s when the Internet was a new thing. And uh, what I liked about it, because for my sins, my background was training and marketing, which is about 70% research, and 30% content delivery, if it's done right, was that suddenly you could access information on what your viewers were seeing and how they were interacting instantaneously and for free. So you could really tailor content much better. <clears throat> so that was really good. But as time went on on the Internet, people's attention spans were going steadily down and down and down. And connection speeds and opportunities were increasing, so I was uh, I was moving into things like uh, image based content, video based content. Picture speaks a thousand words; video speaks a million. Um, and then the and then I ended up doing some training as a lecturer and becoming and, and using the same knowledge for uh, disseminating information to people who were training people with different kind of you know you know, physiological backgrounds and, you know, and I realised that the one thing they all have in common is this, uh, we inhabit a spatial kind of sensory apparatus as human beings, and therefore, for both marketing, communications, training, and so forth, virtual reality and immersive technologies were the logical next step, so I got involved in that, loved it, uh, found there was a great demand for it, and that's where I've been ever since.
1: How about you, Craig? You, I know, again, in the intro, I said how many years you had been doing welding as well as teaching welding. What, what pushed you to use mm-hmm. VR to help with this? Well, a uh, really interesting story,
2: and I'll try and keep it short. Um, as you say, I worked as a welder for, I think it was like 18, 19 years, and it was a decent job. I enjoyed it, but I always felt that there was something just a little bit more than I wanted to do. Um, So I moved on from from, from welding to um, an academy. So it was a privately run business that taught welding. And that was my first intro to teaching, if you will. Uh, And then eventually this this job opportunity came up uh, at the wonderful Riverside College in Widnes, in England. And uh, I remember, this is a good lesson for for everyone listening, really. Um, I remember the criteria. For the uh, for the job was you must have a teaching qualification. Um, you must have um, an assessor's qualification. Now I didn't have either, but I did have, as previously mentioned, a bucket load of welding um, um, uh, welding experience. Now. I went through an agency. Okay, now this was the this was the quite humorous and interesting part. So I, I supplied my CV and mentioned, I think it was the second page, um, that I've got some experience of teaching currently in the role that I was in, and uh, and I didn't hear back. And I thought this was this was unusual because everything else apart from the teaching and assessing qualifications was strong, you know. So I remember um, phoning up the lady again. A bit a bit of perseverance there. i Phoned up the agency lady who was in charge, and I said. Uh, I haven't heard back. Um, can you tell me why? And she said, well, you've got no experience of physically teaching anyone, have you? I said, um, and I kept my kept my, my temper under wraps. I said, did you look at the second page of my CV where it says I currently work as a welding <laughs> tutor <laughs> in a private, private business? She said, no. I said, well, could you have a look, please? <laughs> and about three days later, I got an interview with my, he was my boss then, and he's still my boss. A wonderful chap called Andy James um, took me in. Yeah, everything went really, really swimmingly well, and I, I feel that I was built for teaching because ever since that first experience there, things have just gone so well, and it's gone from strength to strength. But it was an interesting, it was an interesting story. Just the fact as I say, the the, the lesson for everybody is is persevere. If it's not working for
1: you, push, push, and find out why, and try and resolve it. Um, and you, go on. I was just going to say that that's amazing because, you know, often me being a teacher, you know, we, we take that for granted. So I love that story and that uh, impact. Good, good. Um, But it's, and again,
2: quite humorous story. You ask about how we got introduced to VR. Well, I'd never used VR before. I probably couldn't tell you what it meant, but um in the first few months in the job, um, one of the guys mentioned that we had um, five virtual reality welding machines available if I would like to use them. And I'll be honest with you, uh, my <laughs> even without using them, my initial response is probably what most welding tutors or I don't know people who've never used VR was at that time, which was along the lines of, "What can VR teach me?" <laughs> okay, now. Uh, I was under uh, quite, a, quite a big workload at the time. So when, when I managed to get on top of that, I thought, well, i tell you what, why don't I just have a little go, you know, when no one else is about, I'll go and experience it because, because I'm sure it won't be, you know, like the real thing. And I had a go and I was I was blown, blown away by the capabilities and potential of it. And, and, and it just it excited me. And I thought this, this, if used properly, this can make two things that can happen. One. And I'll be honest with you, it can make my life very easy. Uh, and two, this can benefit the students by speeding up learning, but also making it much more enjoyable than, and here's that phrase, traditional welding teaching. Now we can go into that later in, in, in the podcast, but um, I'm not a big fan of the word traditional anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I can
1: tell you more about that when you
2: want, but the journey from then on was just phenomenal.
1: And David... You've been around this industry forever, and I know we won't unpack too much outside of the realm of welding and teaching welding. But, you know, Riot Digital has done a lot in the XR world, and I'm sure you've got a few stories like what Craig talked about, about people putting on headsets and just being blown away.
0: Yes, actually. Uh, <clears throat> I, I always had the suspicion that it, it would work as a, a much more effective medium for practical training, you know, for a number of reasons, be it safety and accessibility or whatever, but probably the most uh, breathtaking experience was uh, I, I was asked by uh, an organisation in Scotland where I live uh, called Scotland IS, uh, could I go to a school, that was a special needs school, and uh, demonstrate some of the technology, the training technology that we had to the students there. So I went to a school uh, nearby, called and uh, it had some uh, higher functioning special needs students, but not ones that weren't really expected to go into employment, many of them. Uh, but anyway, the the students that I met, there were about eight of them, and I brought out one of these virtual reality welding training systems, and I put it on the table, and they all had a go. And I noticed two things. First of all, they were all kind of helping each other. It was really collaborative. They were saying, oh, I did that. You should try this and see how it works. And it was really nice to see this kind of competitive, but also collaborative kind of atmosphere emerge. The second thing was two of those students, one of whom wasn't expected to get employed at all, and one of whom was maybe going to become a boxer, and um, We're so good at this. And I mean, beyond welding lecturer, beyond experienced welder, you know, just savants at it, just amazing at it. And uh, by the time they'd had their second go, they were really, really enthusiastic. So that's two out of eight. Right. That's a quarter of the class. And uh, they said to their teacher, I want to do this. And the teacher said, are you sure? Do you mean it? Is it, Are you serious about that? And they said, yeah, we are. We're both really deadly serious about this. And then that's it. They are now doing welding courses and thriving from what I hear. And I was only there for three hours. Right? They only were in that machine for maybe a maximum of 20 minutes each and it changed their lives. And it changed my life because I'd done theoretical research into the, uh, you know, the impact or the potential impacts of of immersive training and on people in different, you know, learning backgrounds and and modern apprenticeship skills, you know, apprentice style students versus academic style students. Yeah, all look good on paper, but when you see it, when you experience it, it's just and that, that was after that. I just thought, right, I'm not letting go of this. It doesn't matter the industry. It doesn't matter the approach. It doesn't matter how we're doing this. Immersive technology education is where I am going to push all of my efforts. And that's what I've been doing ever since. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever got involved in.
1: One of the things I want to talk about, Craig, is just this shortage or notion that there will be this huge shortage of skills skilled people in welding and fabrication and maybe get your thoughts on how VR might help with this solution? Hmm. Now,
2: that's a a good question. Um, I could answer it in my own words, but I've seen a quote on LinkedIn that can probably explain it more coherently than I can. I'll just read it briefly. It says, uh, according to the Welding Institute survey, the average age of a coded welder is 55 plus. It goes on to say, it is anticipated that within the next five years, approximately one fifth of the existing engineering workforce will retire. So that's that's the problem that everybody's facing. Uh, obviously, not just the UK, but but worldwide. I would argue. So, second part of your question: How can VR help? So I think it can it can be. There's no one size fits all or one one silver bullet, but I can be part of the solution to this by making it's the important leap from theory to do from from theory to practical. Now that's the biggest challenge when doing traditional training, welding training, because it's it's a monumental leap from from never having welded before to actually learning how to to put down a good weld. And it's is it enjoyable for the students? I don't think so. Not really. You can try your best. But I wouldn't say enjoyable is is the word that I'd use. However since using VR, I would say I would say that makes it, it. It's it's not necessarily what people think of gamification. It might be, but that's not really what works. It's it's providing the training to young people, and we need young people in 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 the trade. But how can I say it? Making, as I said, making that leap so that they understand what's happening rather than and you've obviously seen welding from seeing those sparks that that the loud noise the smoke it can be quite um quite intimidating is a word i've I've seen that with quite a few students and i remember when i first started myself i wasn't sure whether i wanted to to carry on so so it's the young people we need to target obviously but but vr as i know i said it twice before it's making that leap that leap from theory you know you can you can learn about welding as much as you want with the powerpoint and a and a a teacher to actually doing it and because it's such a big leap that closes that gap if that makes sense
1: it does david anything to add to that because like i said you've you've probably been in many of uh vr experiences whether that's in welding or other trades
0: yes there's as craig alluded to earlier there's a there's a massive shortage in technical skills <clears throat> Not just in welding, but across everything, electrical engineering, uh, mechanical engineering. There's, there's uh, most of these skills are are exist in people who are going to be retiring in the next ten years, and there isn't a transition plan. So and there isn't an and and a lot of these kind of practical skills, in my experience, are best taught by people like Craig who have practical, real world experience. Yeah, so we're talking mentorship style training. But given that in the UK alone, the requirement is for tens of thousands of new new welders over the next five years and we don't have the infrastructure in terms of the amount of people required to deliver that training even if they were qualified as trainers which most of them are not there's not the physical infrastructure there's not enough welding training labs uh, in this country or in Canada or in the USA to deliver this. And there's a massive dem- a, a, a additional demand created by things like renewable energy, uh, you know, the amount of welding required for offshore wind, for, for being just one example, right? And the only way that this can really be dealt with is through new means and media of delivering this training. And as Craig pointed out to me, and when, when I went down and he showed me these machines and I tried these machines, as this fast, it requires fewer trainers because it does the training even when the trainer's not actually with the student, so uh, you can do a larger class more rapidly and with much better outcomes because it's continuing to refine the trainee's skills even when the trainer's not there. So the other thing that I have to highlight here, and you may be coming to this later on, is the environmental implications of all of these training units and the cost implications it's very expensive to run, particularly with the additional costs of fuel at the moment with the Ukraine crisis and so forth. Um, the, the amount of gas that's required to run welding you know, training mm-hmm. systems is very expensive. The amount of metal, because after every mm-hmm. weld, you have to destruction test the weld. Mm-hmm. And that's a massive cost and waste as well. Well, 30 to 60% of that training can be done virtually. No gas, no metal, no waste. And uh, so that's a dramatic saving right there as well.
1: Learning a trade has a few obstacles, though. So I've tried a couple VR apps. You know, what did I try? I tried, uh, I, uh, it was cutting, so it was like woodworking. So I had to grab a saw and try and cut a board. You know, I did try a very, I would say, almost old school welding and again one of the things about VR that's hard to get right is to mimic the dexterity that you mm. need to do these skills in the real world correctly. Surgery comes to mind too. Mm. You know there's there's this debate in the healthcare industry that training a doctor to do precision surgery in a VR headset isn't quite same as the real thing there's no Mm -hmm. you know the skin has a certain feel same with welding like you Mm -hmm. talked about this Craig like as a welder I'm sure that you know the sense of smell and the little Mm -hmm. bit of smoke makes that Mm -hmm. real but Mm -hmm. is it possible to do this in the virtual world and if not Mm -hmm. does that mean that I can't certify someone Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because it's not the same as the real world yeah in in other trades i would imagine that it's
2: it is difficult to get the variables correct however however with regards to welding i'm fortunate because lincoln I've nailed this over 10 years ago with welding training uh, unfortunately <laughs> every welding chief listening to this or a welder will certainly understand this there's a lot of subjectivity to it okay now <laughs> I've never that's never sat well with me and what Lincoln Electric did with their vertex machines and I say it's 13 years ago I think is that they got the variables correct when I say variables the the there's the, 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 the five main ones um But I like the fact that when I teach these guys or when the vertex trainers teach them, it takes a subjectivity out of it. This constant speed of travel. It's 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 and we'll come on to this. But you've got those um, the visual cues of red, green, amber, or red, amber, green. Um, So it's fairly self-explanatory in that respect. But ultimately, everybody will learn the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Yeah. the, The 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 variables. And once you've nailed down those five variables to a certain degree, so a certain extent, you haven't got to get them all exact, but once you've done that, that's the hard work taken out of it. So if I may, I'd just like to explain now about traditional welding uh, training from, from a tutor's point of view, <laughs> okay? Now, normally, and I'll use, I'll use an evening class because it's, it's, it's the one that I first, first, first attempt. So it's adults. You get maybe, it's the same as the classroom, but you get 12 adults, okay, in a workshop. One welding tutor, maybe a technician if you're lucky. Now, when you're starting, we could have done all the theory, as I mentioned, you know, about explaining what works, what doesn't. But really, when you're in that workshop, you've got your welded mask and, you know, we're ready to go. Things kind of go out the window. So if there's 12 guys there or 12 12 girls and I'm with the first person, I can only spend, I don't know, 45 seconds, a minute at max with, we'll use you as an example, Craig, with you. I can give you a demonstration. I can talk you through it. But then it's your turn. Now, whilst you're welding, takes about 60 seconds, maybe. I can talk to you, really, as you're doing it. I can't quite see everything that you're doing because your arm will be in the way, or your body's in the way. There's a big extractor fan above there that makes it really, really difficult to, 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 to hear me anyway. But then I'm going to leave you with some summative feedback, something to work on. And then I've got to go to welder number two. Now, uh, by this time, welder number 12 is getting a little bit impatient now. Imagine I've moved on to welder number four. You, Craig, because you're welder number one, will have probably remembered some of what I've said to you. But now you're getting a bit frustrated as well because I can remember something that Craig said. But what do I do? How do I co- overcome this problem? And you're stuck. You're in a limbo. Okay. And, and still bear in mind, we use David. We'll say you're welder number 12. Now you're getting really, really frustrated now because, you know, I've paid my money. I'm here on a course. And that welding tutor's taking his time working, working around to me. Now, imagine that going round and round and round okay the the welding tutor gets exhausted the students you know, as good as as how how hard you try and good lord i used to try more than more than other, other welding tutors used to allow me to really i used to exhaust myself but you know that that was you have to give feedback that's the only way that you can convey your your, your knowledge to that student and it's madness i thought i always i, I didn't ever think vr would be the answer but it, it's absolutely madness and while speaking to, no, it's an interesting one. I was speaking to a Lincoln Electric, uh, UK Lincoln Electric um, uh, sales guy. He's the only sales guy I'll add. His name's Lewis, the only sales guy who, 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 who in my experience, truly believes in his products because he, he, he explained to me that when he was on an evening welding course, about 20% of the people minimum tended to leave the course because of the, the the problems that I was just explaining to you. they become frustrated. They weren't getting the bang for their buck, if you will, as hard as the tutor might try. Now, this worked with me. This, this chimed to me because this is exactly what I've seen. On my welding course, I nearly gave up, but a few of the others did for exactly the same reasons I've just told you about. So how it works with the Vertex is you put your welding mask on, You've got all the hardware in front of you, okay? You've got your virtual welding gun, your virtual welding T fillet or uh, plate, if you will, in front of you. And as I mentioned about the visual cues, we'll start welding. So one of the ones I always always concentrate on is speed of travel. Um, you have to move from left to right or right to left in a consistent speed of travel. And for me, that's actually the most difficult part of teaching welding. It's so hard to do it consistently uh and, and and i've watched these students so so so, so as they start and i've sent, i'll be able to upload a few uh, screenshots of this as well if i help the listeners um obviously if you're going too fast it'll be red you slow down you'll become amber and you hit that sweet spot of green so already before before that first world that you've done that first one you already have an idea an inkling of what needs to be done so then you do it again and again and great, you hone that, which is fantastic. Remember, this is only one of the five variables, by the way. And that 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 can work as scaffolding. So when you you Craig say, "So yes, well, look, Craig, you know, uh, I've done my consistent speed of travel. You know, aren't, aren't you chuffed with me, Craig?" And I will say, "Excellent, really good." Now I'm going to take the visual cues off, and I want you to do it again. Mm. <laughs> so whilst you've got those visual cues, you all that's that's formative feedback at the end. And again, I'll uplo- happily upload this image as well. Um, when you finished your weld you get the total score of each of the variables so we'll concentrate on which 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 variable we'll see that's the contact tip to work distance so that's how close or how far you are away with the welder oh okay so we'll see that's your weakest okay so we'll concentrate on that give you the visual cues on that great and now Craig you'll have honed more or less I say honed but um, got better at speed of travel and contact tip to work so that's two Yes, there's three more to go, but you know we've got we've got another night of this, and and then I can go and maybe talk to another another student sort them through. But ultimately, you don't need me, Craig, because you've got those in front of you now, and it's a con- it's like having I always say it's like having a constant welding tutor with you, a personal welding tutor at all times, and it's 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 if you can envisage that, and David's actually tried it, it's the best help that you could ever get. And another thing as well, with, with, with different people's wants and needs and what we all feel comfortable with, some people don't like a welding chooser sitting on their shoulder, telling them faster, slower, further in, further out. They don't like that sometimes. They just want to get on with learning at their own pace. Now, I know I'm talking a lot, and we can we can maybe... Uh, revisit this later but but again some of the st- i'm a big i'm a big big fan of data okay <laughs> and it, you can call this a little bit sad if you like but i always kept all the classes data So when i first started five years ago at the college of the adult so introduction to welders at what date they finished of a 10-week course so it's 10 evenings at what date each student hit their final fifth test test piece and on average it was I think I've got the data. I think it was week nine or week eight on average, some quicker, some slower, obviously. And then the year that I introduced the VR, the vertex, just for one out of the 10 evenings, just we just one, just one, two hour session. The class reached it. And I think it was, uh, again, on average, it was week 6.2. So what that did was they didn't just finish the course early. I mean, they did because they they perfected everything they needed to do. But then we could upskill them to other, skill, other skills, maybe prep them for, for the level two, the next more advanced one. So it, it got there quicker. It saved the college, which we can talk about later, thousands of pounds. It helped massively with greenhouse gases. Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's a win-win for everyone.
1: Can they go right to certification from the is it vertex that's what we're calling or do they have to have still physical welding before they're certified
2: yeah 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 they can't go from the vertex no um but the time span going from physical welding to that certification uh, uh, as i mentioned is just far quicker Far quicker, and and I'll, I'll tell you this as well. There's there's, the, there's hardly any people who, who who and if they do happen to pull out the course, it's for a, a, a reasons external to 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 the college. The retention is tremendous. I, I just, I just, it's strange when you're in in the environment yourself, you tend to see it only your way. But I just can't see any negatives from it.
1: Mm. David, maybe chime in a bit because you know how lucky are we to have you on the show? Not only understanding xr but also going through as like almost a brand new student some of these experiences that craig has been talking about
0: yeah absolutely thanks um it, well
1: uh, looking at it
0: theoretically price waterhouse cooper did some some traits some uh, research on the vi- viability of, of using this kind of training across everything from practical skills to soft skills and i have on average the retention as craig alluded to there is roughly four times higher in that environment, maybe because it's new, maybe because it's a novelty, maybe not. Uh, And also the confidence in using these skills practically and technically is is about four times higher as well. So engagement, retention and confidence all being higher, there's really no downsides to that. Now, in the interest of impartiality here, we've mentioned Lincoln Electric a lot. There's about eight different systems out there that that I'm aware of and a major thing that we do and we're advising further education colleges and the new technologies that we will vet all of them. And we'll compare them against each other. Now, I tried the Lincoln Electric system with Craig and I was very impressed by it. And I actually did a physical weld. A terrible one <laughs> and then <laughs> and then i spent about only half an hour under craig's tutelage in the virtual reality one and the, and the vertex machine and then i went straight back in and did the same weld again and the difference we have a video of it that we can share is dramatic and there was no smoke and mirrors here it was legitimate mm. you know before and after uh it was a big big difference and it was it was dealing with things like speed distance attack you know uh angle uh, and uh, there's numerous other ones and they were all dealt with in that 30 minute period and uh, things that you mentioned before it's not just audio visual this is what makes virtual reality so good is that it, it can actually take into account things like tactility the actual the actual mm-hmm. sensation of holding this thing so again in the interest of impartiality a system that i particularly like, like is the Seabury automatic system which uses an actual real welding torch. So mm. it has the same heft, the same weight, the same resistance from the pipes, and the cables and everything. So it feels real because it is real. Mm. And you're okay. using in both of the systems, whether it be the Vertex or the Seabree, or the this automatic you're using actual realistic welding coupons we call them right so they're shaped like the real joints. so you are moving with it you are pushing against you've got the same resistance you can get customized ones for specific industries like automotive manufacturing parts and so forth like made for bmw because that's the plant that you're going to be Mm. working in. that's the the thing that you're going to be doing on there's even things like robotic welding orbital welding things like this there's it's, it's amazing the variety now it's only going to get more sophisticated. So here's another thing which, which we didn't mention, sound. That was something mm. that came up to me. Now, both of the systems that we've mentioned here are very realistic in sound, and that's a, one of your main guides, right? You're going too fast or too far away. You can hear the difference. It's mm. like when you're learning to yeah. drive, you can tell that you're at 30 miles an hour in, in gear four because it sounds right. If I've got headphones on in the car, my driving's all over the place, <laughs> you know? Mm. So uh, it's important. Now, you also mentioned smell there correct? and mm-hmm. uh, that is possible we've not seen it being used in welding training but i have seen it being used in fact i have used it in uh, military training uh you know uh, mechanical engineering in field for the air force this kind of thing getting the right smell of gases and diesel fuels so you can work out from sound and from smell whether you're in a dangerously explosive environment or not now also I, I'm not as much of an expert in welding as, as you two are, so I, I I couldn't tell you, but I would imagine that smell can be important, you know, and it is going to be another indicator. And then finally you mentioned um uh, surgery. Yes, again, surgical training only really works when you have what we call haptic feedback. So that's that's that tactile feedback. And for instance, really close work with scalpels or needles or this kind of thing, you'll be using a thing that looks like a pen and it has little servos in it and it gives you resistance. And it's really good for mimicking soft tissue resistance and, and, and even right up to bone density and things like dentistry and so forth. They can do it now as well. So I am foreseeing that should it be required, that level of resistance, that level of haptic feedback could easily be incorporated into this training, but already it's pretty good.
1: Craig, you had a comment about either smell or something else that David said, I'd like you to feel free.
2: Mm, no, it was actually, um, I've actually found, that, found the data that when I mentioned about uh, the, the, the costs, uh, the cost difference between traditional welding and, uh, and, and using the Vertex. Um, again, I'm, I'm a little bit sad like this. Uh, two summers ago, uh, I sat down with, <laughs> I sat down in the welding, welding uh, workshop with a former student and said, I want you to replicate a proper two hour lesson. I trust you. Oh, I don't want you to rush it. Absolutely not. But I also want you to, not, not to take too much time. Replicate a real one and we'll use that data. And he did. It was great. We, we measured everything. The kilowatt hours usage, absolutely everything you could think of, the welding wire, the gases used, everything, everything possible. And ultimately, um, for an average 15 student um, class in the daytime, it's an average two hour class of 15 students, the cost for one lesson cost the college 220 pounds and that's using three millimeter steel if it was six millimeter it was 290 pounds okay using the vertex for the same 15 students costs two pounds 39 pence okay. so two 220 pounds per two hour lesson there were five lessons per week per week Okay, against two pounds thirty-nine. So, so all the things that I've mentioned all, 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 already are great. The speed of learning, the the, the enjoyment of the students, the competitive element of the students, and you get that a lot with the sixteen to eighteen year olds. It's fantastic to watching it. And I'll be honest, you certainly wouldn't get a sixteen to eighteen year old student coming up trying to get a. We well, wouldn't get many saying, "I want to do a better physical world than you." You you do eventually, but not at first. But you certainly get it with the vertex. You know, they've got eighty-eight at hundred. Well you know, let's get let's get a first prize. We get eighty-nine then or ninety. But as you can imagine, the the, the knowledge are happy with them but that's why we bought them to increase speed learning increase engagement and to save money and greenhouse gases
1: listen i'm mindful of time a bit and i really want to dive into a collaboration that uh you david and craig got into which is uh something called the hydroverse and so let's talk a bit about that and how it's been a, a huge labor of love for you two guys so maybe let's start with you craig and what is the the hydroverse app Mm. and tell us sort of how it's progressing on this occasion i'm not actually going to talk a lot
2: (laughs) listeners will probably be pleased to to hear i'm going to hand this over to david because i think he can say it much more clearer than i can what do you think david Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Okay.
0: Well, uh, this really started for me when the uh, Indian government came over to Aberdeen to talk about their uh, green energy transition and how they are planning to implement a green hydrogen uh, ecosystem right the way across India, which could be a major, major thing, not just for India, but for the world, given how populous it is and, uh, and their ambitions. And it really came across to me, the reason that we were in the room. Uh, was that we were there to talk about digital twins, which is using uh, virtual reality as a a graphical user interface for live sensor information coming from physical uh, objects. So you can use that for planning, training, that kind of thing. But it it then occurred to me that that another ambition that they have, as do many other countries, is to not only upscale the population for the energy transition to green hydrogen from standard energy, but to then, once that transition, that infrastructure is in place, offshore said skilled individuals, which as an educator myself uh, provided two challenges. One of them was how do you teach that many people in a hazardous and very, very intricate uh, new discipline uh, to a level which is just as good, if not better, you see where I'm going with this, than uh, than the traditional training approaches alone and also accredit them so that that qualification can be used all over the world. Now, in my experience, that has to be a combination, just like with the welding, of real-world physical, tra- theoretical training, virtual training, then real-world physical training. So you need to be partnering with training centers that already do this stuff, right? But you also need to make sure that, that once they have done all of this training, they are accredited and they can go anywhere in the world. And India is no longer, selling labor cheap across the world it's about excellence now and as it should be so uh that's the route that we wanted to go and fortunately craig and i got talking about this and we realized that this is a very similar if not identical set of challenges as the welding industry has and that the uk uh, could be in a really good position to kick this off but this could be used all around the world if we do it right so we started to think about what are the advantages to using virtual reality over standard training with hydrogen. Well, one, you can't see hydrogen in the real world. So you can't get an idea because a lot of this is transitioned from people who already have gas skills and are already working with you know traditional gases and this kind of thing to Adding skills to do with hydrogen. The hydrogen behaves differently from a lot of other gases, but you can't see that. And seeing is understanding, right? Mm. So you can visualize this in virtual reality. You can even simulate what, what's going to happen if things go wrong. You know, what does an explosion look like? What does the opposite when, when you get the Flashback, you know, thing. What does that look like? But most importantly, how does the gas behave? How does it differ? One of the ways that it differs is that under very high pressures, um, it can cause embrittlement. It's very, very cold and it it sucks ions out of the metals that it passes through. It's tiny, tiny little molecules that can get out of any gap and it can make those gaps bigger just by its very nature. So hydrogen embrittlement is a serious issue. But how can you understand that if you're not? you know, really au okay fait with things like chemistry, unless you can see it. Mm. And that's another thing that you can do with virtual reality. You can show it from the macro scale that we, we, we exist in right into the micro scale. And, uh, and then you can show how to avoid it, different materials and so forth. Craig?
2: Yeah, well well I'm fortunate enough to, to teach a hydrogen awareness course um in the evening to 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 local adults to try and upskill them um so they can gain gain employment in the um where we where we are where our colleges witness it's actually in the middle of the hydrogen hub and there's a few of them popping up in the UK as it as it is. So me and David got talking and we, we we realized what what and again it comes back to that thing that we I'm sure we've all we've all heard about as good as a teacher can be ultimately you have a PowerPoint, and you have your physical ways of communicating now that will never compete to what we both know. Explaining something in VR uh, we will do and don't think we've got a figure on 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 how advantageous that would be, but it for me, exactly what David just described wonderfully something that you can 't see it 's the perfect environment to teach. One other thing that you can do with this, because you know both Craig and I have been
0: working on uh, accessibility to education. Accessibility tends to be different learning styles, but also different geographical locations. And you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff in places like Australia, and I live in Scotland, Scottish Highlands. Everybody's you know scattered all over the place. Yeah, so dispersed populations it can make it difficult for as many people as really need to get this training to all be in a central place where they can get the training right now what you can do with virtual reality is you can send the training to them so it can create much more accessibility to that training and that can be done through Everything from a mobile phone to a laptop to a tablet to a headset, which are now of course in the two, three hundred pound range. And you can send them to people so that they can have immersive training and then get it back afterwards, right? This is actually usually a lot cheaper than sending the human being to the place to get the training, right? And even if you're just doing a bit of it that way, just like with the just like with the welding training, you're doing maybe a third of it or two thirds of it in virtual reality, then it still dramatically expedites their 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 their, their progression through that training, as Craig pointed out, it reduces the cost, it makes it easier for them to access, and then they can just do the final bit in the physical place already nigh on experts by the time they even arrive. So there's lots of benefits there. And this applies to so many countries, Canada that you're from, Craig, where people are spread out all over the place, right? And, uh, and, and many,
1: many other countries where this is the case too. I'm mindful also of, you know, the the equipment that we talked about before is not necessarily something that could be played on a, uh meta quest two or the new MetaQuest three. You know, again, I, I alluded to the fact that I did try a welding thing, but it was in a MetaQuest two and it was so archaic that, you know, I, I didn't even really have to follow the line and it still sort of gave me metrics to say, way to go, Craig, you did a weld, which is ridiculous. Right. And so, um, I guess I have two questions. One is, do you think these apps and this accuracy will evolve enough to be able to run on more ubiquitous headsets where more and more people who have the MetaQuest 2s and the MetaQuest 3s, you know, it, I call it the calculator moment. I just see have, having done so many talks with educators that we're slowly getting more and more headsets into kids' hands to the point where maybe in four years we can ask them in a college situation or a trade school, instead of bring out your calculator, bring out your headset, Mm. put it on, and let's try. Is it possible, do you think, to evolve (sighs) the software to a point where these more ubiquitous devices that are in the hands of more and more people – could run some of these more specialized apps? I would say definitely yes,
2: but it's not here yet. Uh, I will speak for welding in that respect. So I've often thought about this, what if you didn't have the hardware that that I currently have? I'd say that you could use an app and a Quest to a certain extent. And I mean that probably 60 to 65, 70% of what the hardware that I've spoken about can do. Absolutely, you can cover that threshold that I speak about between theory and, and physical. However, and I will say again, it is specifically for welding, the software and hardware are here. The hard work has been done. It's here now. It just needs to be um, taken on board and embraced. I don't know if David's got any thoughts on the wider. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I would I would agree with everything you said, but I would say that the hardware, where everything is here now. Uh, I'll give you an example. It's not as complex as sending out really complicated, you know, haptic feedback equipment or even sending out headsets. Although, like you say, they're becoming much more ubiquitous between the Quest three and the. The Pico 4, the, these are pass through augmented reality headsets. That means that you don't need to do the whole thing in virtual reality. You can actually send out a thing, like a, a, a hydrogen fueling you know, mock up, and then you can look through your headset at that. And it, it, it can add things like here's the gas moving, mm-hmm. here's the is happening, here's the scoring on, on your movement, and so forth. That can be done right now. However, that's still about 400, 500 pounds or however many equivalent dollars, right? That's that's quite a lot when you're sending out to a lot of people, even if you can get the headsets back, which you can. There's loads of ways that you can get them out to people and get them back again deadly easily. It's called mobile device management. However, what we did in Africa was very different. That was, uh, again, surgical training, and we were trying to provide uh, rural surgical triage training. And if it works for surgery, in my opinion, it, it works well for engineering, that's right? a good test case. And what we did was there's a system where we can uh, 3D print tissues and that kind of thing uh, that are realistic in the way that they behave. And you can laser cut boxes that everything comes in. And that box becomes a mount for your mobile phone or your tablet. You then place and then you've got this 3D printed mock-up of the Item that you're working with and it sits in front of your phone and your phone provides that digital layer, making it look real, making it behave real, adding in the, <clears throat> the live data, things like the, the gas dynamics and fluid dynamics and so forth, adding in the scoring, tracking your hand movement and so forth. Now, again, what we did for the for the African system, it was a few dollars per unit. They were sending out, and we were sending out a SIM card with the data, and we were even sending out the phones in in some cases where they didn't have that, and making sure the connectivity was all in place. That could easily be replicated for hydrogen easily, and uh, <clears throat> and you could send different components and different jigs just like we do with the welding to people, and it means that they get access to it where they are. And why is that important? Because with hydrogen, as with many other renewable energy uh, sources and means of of distribution where we're moving from macro grid to micro grid, right, we're moving to many smaller areas where this um, um, energy and hydrogen is being generated and used all there. And that means remote agricultural communities that means far out you know far away places that are not centralized that, that aren't in the middle of a city or in the middle of an industrial area so therefore the necessity for this becomes higher but by using these extremely and by the way the cost for creating these surgical training kits was a few dollars per kit right and if that's to run as well so If we can do that, we can definitely do that with engineering. And that could really not only expedite and reduce the cost for the training, but increase the accessibility to the people who need to have that access.
1: I want to circle back and go a bit off script here to talk about context, especially, Craig, when it comes to welding. So, you know, to me, because I'm not an experienced welder, how, how key is context to welding and I'll give you an example you know I might be a welder I pull my truck up to let's say an oil rig site and I'm I'm contextually in this you know unique environment the oil rig you know there's the I have to deal with the surroundings in the environment and I have to conduct my welding sort of Mm. in this this contextually relevant environment do does is Mm. that rare is the average welder usually welding in a shop where the environment is very controlled and therefore when you teach welding you don't necessarily have to worry as much about context because teachers Mm. who teach history and maybe they're Mm. teaching world war ii they they love vr because you can bring kids to a world war ii historically accurate contextually Mm. relevant event is that Mm. is that as Mm. important in welding um
2: I would say skill is skill. Skill learned is skill learned. Obviously, with a few, a few different variables. one, for example, would be, um, I, I agree, by the way, I think most people work in a, in a, in a factory. Based environment but you get other people working out on, on site you know um so, so so one variable would be that um if it's a windy outdoor area that might affect your shielding gas maybe it might blow your shielding gas that you're using but on the whole i absolutely agree that the, the, the to, to to circle back to that is skill learned is skill learned and so that will always be uh, a paramount uh, any other any other periphery issues are not really that much that important Does, if that Makes sense.
0: Can I can I chime in on this one? I'm I, again. I'm not nearly so much of an expert in welding as Craig is, but in general, you know, when you're watching a film on the big screen or an IMAX or whatever, and then similarly, you're watching a, a, a film on your phone at night before you go to bed. Your, your your brain adjusts. You end up focusing right in on that screen. To all intents and purposes, it's the same, right? However, there are some differences, and we, we do a lot of work with the offshore oil and gas and this kind of thing. And you know, it's in in some cases, your welding there is happening. Underwater. <laughs> you know, that's a very different environment. Or you're doing pipe welding offshore. And again, you can be inside these things, these pipes, and the heat, uh, you know, it, it, it's dramatic just being in them, some bits of the world. But then once you start welding, of course, it goes up even more dramatically. So there's issues of that. But the main one that I encountered with welding in particular is angle. You know, in, in some cases, if you're out in the field and you're welding, you're not getting to just do it right in front of you, you're doing it upside down and, you know, having adjustable welding <coughs> jigs and platforms and so forth, uh, I think could be really important as well to this. What do you think, Craig?
2: Yeah, I'll just add to that. Really, really interesting question now, because I've just remembered something that, um, when I was first showing everybody at the College of the Vertex, um, one of the guys come in, he said, it's great that you're doing, uh, it was like a position PB, which is as you're looking at your table now, you'd be welding something in the PB position. He said, what about, um, I don't know, um, overhead um really difficult welding at a certain angle i said we can do that and he moved everything and he said okay so what about without i don't know in the real world i'd be lying on the floor again welding overhead i said okay watch this and i rearranged the vertex to all the different variables we can do that as well so absolutely yes you Mm -hmm. can recreate everything
1: amazing gentlemen is there anything left maybe unsaid that you feel we should unpack on the show before we wrap up yeah, two things. Um, this is for XR in general.
2: Teacher willingness to adopt is an issue. Uh, absolutely. And 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 I don't know if this is true, but in my, my, my limited experience, I always have a little giggle and say, generally, teachers over 45, it's going to be an uphill battle. <laughs> Having said that, I'm 47. Um, so I don't know if that is an issue. Maybe David can comment on that. But but teacher willingness to adopt is definitely a, a, an issue. New skills need needed to be learned is a must. They do need to understand how it works instead of just rolling out to to students. I don't know anybody does that, but that would be that would be foolish. Um, but overall you need support from higher up. Uh, my manager Andy James actively wants to incorporate XR, and ultimately, in my opinion, the support is key. You need support. You can't. You can't do it on your own. As, as, as much as you want to shout about the, the virtues of, of XR, so that's the one point. And just the second point. <clears throat> And I don't mean just welding training. I mean, we've got quests. And again, thanks to my manager, we've got quests and we've incorporated them to a certain extent. or I haven't. And things are going really well. But it needs to be welcomed. It's not here. This is what people need to understand. And I mean, really believe. It's not here to replace the teacher, only to enhance the learner experience. And and I want to say this to any, any doubters out there. Believe it or not, it actually makes the teacher's role easier. And that's that's a win-win, if ever I've heard one. Um, And I have to say, it's because my favourite phrase, to put it another way, and I don't care how good a teacher is, and everybody thinks they're the best teacher in the world. I do. (laughs) I'm not, but I think I am. Uh, Ultimately, in a classroom, all you have is a PowerPoint or similar and verbal and physical skills to communicate. And uh, David had been listening, um, Craig had been listening to one of your previous podcasts, and a teacher said it very well. He said, at present, it's I teach you learn and then i'm going to test what you've learned and that's that. that's where we are at the moment but when you stop and think about the comparison to this and then learn by doing by using xr the, the future's clear
1: well
0: said go ahead david i i, I would agree with that entirely I, thousands of years ago confucius uh, said i hear i forget i see i remember i do i understand and I, my mom who was a teacher of said the very same thing to me when i took up lecturing and she was so right i would say that again i would agree with craig that the uh, the the movement or the, the the willingness has to come from high up now the high up in this case is industry because they're ultimately the users and on on uh, tuesday or wednesday this week coming i'm going to be at a large college in in scotland who are right next door fourth valley College, you right next door to bathcock who are one of the biggest Mentor Mentoring organisations in the UK, certainly, if not, you know, this by the world. And we made sure that they're coming so that we are going to show them these welding things. And we're going to show them and let them try and see for themselves and, and do and understand the benefits of this. Because who's going to give them the skilled people that they desperately need right now? It's that college. So we need them to say, yes, we see it, we get it, we want it and then invest, and then the college to then go ahead and do it. And people mm. like Craig, who are lecturers, to reassure these lecturers, and I've been a further education lecturer myself, and I know that the one thing that you do not have is time, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> to learn new things. So if you're going to learn something, it damn well better make, save you time and make your job easier. And the only people who a lecturer is going to trust is another lecturer. And that's
2: great. Brilliant. One more final point I'd like to make, if that's okay. Now, I always look to shoehorn in the Apollo missions to the moon in any sort of way that I can. (laughs) Okay? Because that's my that's my passion away from away from uh, from teaching. But it is it is analogous to that. Now, people like you, Craig, and and David, you and, and everybody else who's been on your podcast, I just find this analogous to to being And I've got a few friends who are still with us who were there at the very start of the Mercury missions, if you will, as Mercury, Gemini and Apollo, who were there at the very beginning. And they said, what an exciting time it was to see it just starting. And I feel that, uh, again, I've listened to some of your podcasts, Craig, that we're all in the same boat here. It's so exciting because we can see the future coming. It's lovely.
1: Yeah. And I mean, David kind of echoed what you initially said, Craig, but I want to reiterate it and that's, you know, VR is not like a textbook that you just check out of the library and it does all the learning for you. And so you so well or poignantly said, you know, it it does take a bit of work. And if you're willing to put that time and work in and effort to sort out those little nuances, then it is just this powerful, amazing medium. And then one last comment that David said that I think requires being echoed is getting people inside vr whether that's in an amazing experience on a quest 2 or whatever headset or however once they're in a well-crafted experience they get it but trying to show them on a 2d youtube clip or video they're not convinced and so that's so key david and i appreciate you reminding listeners about how you know, whoever's holding the money and whoever's making the the decisions from above, you've got to get them into the experience for them to fully understand its power. Gentlemen, I'd like to wrap up, but if people are interested in more of what both you are doing, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Um, For me, LinkedIn.
2: uh, And I'll also add my email address to you, Craig, maybe you can upload that as well.
0: And for me, LinkedIn as well, I'm on there all day. You know, not all day, but every day. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time on there. Although, as uh, both of you have pointed out, it can be hard to get hold of me. So, again, uh, I'll share my uh, email address for, for more direct contact.
1: Amazing. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming on the show. And then, again, as Craig alluded to, we are just sort of in the infancy of this, and I'm excited to see where the next few years go.
2: Brilliant. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me.